Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Some 700 million years ago, a single cell gave rise to the first animal. It was a multicellular organism that would eventually spawn the incredible complexity and diversity of animals we see today. New research is now offering scientists a fresh perspective on what that cell looked like and how multicellularity could have emerged from it. It's a transition that marks one of the most pivotal events in the history of life on Earth. For well over a century, it's been widely assumed that the ancestors from which the first animal evolved were simple blobs of identical cells. Only later, after the animals formed their own branch on the tree of life, did those cells start to differentiate into various cell types with specialized functions. But now, painstaking genomic analyses and comparisons between the most ancient animals alive today and their closest non-animal relatives are starting to overturn that theory. The recent work paints a picture of ancestral single-celled organisms that were already amazingly complex. They possessed the plasticity and versatility to slip back and forth between several states, to differentiate as today's stem cells do, and then de-differentiate back to a less specialized form. The research implies that mechanisms of cellular differentiation predated the gradual rise of multicellular animals. Now, scientists are reporting the most compelling evidence yet for the new narrative. Their work, and the debate inspired by its publication in Nature last year, also highlights how difficult it is to pin down definitive answers to these kinds of evolutionary questions. It shows how wide a net researchers have cast for those answers. In the 1860s, biologists Henry James Clark and William Saville Kent separately noted a striking resemblance between the cells of two organisms. Coanoflagellates are tiny spherical or egg-shaped cells crowned with a collar of finger-like protrusions. These surround a single flagellum that whips back and forth. The waving flagellum sweeps bacteria into the collar as the animal's next meal. Meanwhile, sponges are simple animals made up of many cell types, including coanocytes. These are collared, flagellated cells that line the chambers inside the sponge and capture its food. Coanocytes look and act remarkably like coanoflagellates. Some scientists suggested in the 1980s and 90s that coanoflagellates might be animals that evolved from sponges and then simplified down to one cell. Pavel Burkhart is a molecular biologist at the SARS International Center for Marine Molecular Biology in Norway. There was, at one point, a single-celled organism. So then the question is, what morphology or what cell type could have that been? And for a long time, people believe and still believe that it looks like a coanoflagellate-like cell. The structural similarities prompted experts to think that the single-celled coanoflagellates might be the key to understanding how the multicellular sponge came about. Building on this, famed marine biologist Ernst Haeckel put forth a theory for the evolution of animal multicellularity in 1874. His theory? A coanoflagellate-like ancestral cell started it all. 
Many such cells came together to form a colony or hollow ball of identical cells. In turn, that ball gradually differentiated into cell types and tissues with various functions. This eventually led to the first animal, the sponge. The rest is history. All the signs indicated that this was the right way to think about animal evolution. In the 2000s, more than a century after Haeckel proposed his theory, genomic evidence made the confirmation. Here's Burkhart again. Out of the many single-celled eukaryotes out there, 150 years ago, coanoflagellate has been proposed as some close relative of animals. Then the first genome was sequenced, and bam, it actually was really true. So out of all the different single-celled organisms, just looking by morphology, also the genome or genetic analysis clearly confirmed that coanoflagellate are the closest relative of animals. Paleobiologist Douglas Irwin of the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C., says questioning Haeckel's finding is almost like questioning Darwin. David Gold is a geobiologist at the University of California, Davis. Scientists, including myself, for a long time have enjoyed this coanoflagellate coanocyte connection because it tells a clear and elegant story. But uncertainty about that clear and elegant story has been growing over the past decade. The idea that animals arose from a colony of coanoflagellate-like cells implies that cell differentiation evolved after multicellularity did. Iñaki Ruiz Trio is an evolutionary biologist at the Institute of Evolutionary Biology in Barcelona. The thing is the data is demonstrating that it's not like that. The first complication came in 2008. That's when a group of scientists, in an effort to more precisely map out the evolutionary relationships among animals on the tree of life, identified comb jellies rather than sponges as the earliest animals. Here's geobiologist David Gold. There's been a lot of controversy with that claim. There's been a lot of back and forth and papers and counterpapers on that. I personally am still very neutral on that issue. I think it's still very much a heated question, but I think forced the community to reappraise the classic narrative. Subsequent discoveries continued to fuel the debate over which animal group came first, and some studies uncovered overlooked differences between coanoflagellates and sponge coanocytes. The cell's shared ancestry began to look less like a foregone conclusion. Scientists also began to realize that coanoflagellates and two closely related unicellular groups all have complex life cycles that transition through various cell states. These states essentially act as different cell types, says Burkhart. The beautiful thing about some coanoflagellate species and also some of the other close relatives, they do not have spatial cell differentiation, but temporal cell differentiation. So they have different cell types, but they cannot have it at the same time. They can be single cell types. Some of them attach to the bottom. Some of them swim. They have colonies which look like rosettes. They have chain colonies. So it's a very interesting life cycle. And during those life cycles, all three of these protists spend part of their lives in a form that borders on something like primitive multicellularity. Like Burkhardt said, coanoflagellates have a colonial form. The second protist group has amoeba-like cells that aggregate. The cells of the third group grow to have hundreds of nuclei. 
This prompted a paper in 2009 that rejuvenated an old alternative to Haeckel's hypothesis. Back in 1949, Russian biologist Alexei Zakhvatkin proposed that multicellular animals evolved when temporary differentiating cells formed colonies and began to commit to particular stages in their life cycles. This allowed a few cell types to exist at once. Ruiz Trio and his colleagues provided further evidence for this so-called temporal to spatial transition. In a series of studies, they showed that certain families of regulatory proteins supposedly unique to animals, including those involved in cell differentiation, were actually already present in their far more ancient unicellular relatives. Now, a team of researchers led by married marine biologists Sandy Degnan and Bernard Degnan of the University of Queensland in Australia have provided additional support for this view. They have also taken a swing at the traditional theory's foundation, the evolutionary link between coanoflagellates and the sponge coanocytes. Bernard Degnan says the study started as a PhD project. When we went into this project, we really just wanted to put some, if you like, meat on the bones about this theory, right? And so we were going to do single-cell transcriptomics and show that sponge coanocytes are indeed most closely related to coanoflagellates. And that hypothesis was quickly shot down when we saw that the sponge coanocytes actually were comprised largely of genes that evolved after the animals diverged from coanoflagellates. They made that discovery by examining the gene expression in coanocytes and other kinds of sponge cells. They then compared those findings with published data on coanoflagellates and two other protists. They expected to establish that sponge coanocytes had gene expression profiles most like those of coanoflagellates. Instead, they found that another type of sponge cell did. That cell type is called an archaeocyte. It acts like a stem cell for the sponge. It could differentiate into any cell type that the animal might need. Bernard Degnan says some of the gene expression patterns in archaeocytes are significantly similar to those of the protists during particular life cycle stages. They're expressing genes that suggest that they have um, an ancestral sort of regulatory system. And some of these genes are things that we know are involved in human stem cells and human cancer for that matter, like MYC, which is an oncogene. So these cells actually end up expressing whole suite of genes that show that they are bona fide pluripotent stem cells. So that means we can relate these sponge stem cells to our own stem cells based on the transcriptional profiles. What changes the picture is that we go on from an idea of a simple hollow ball of cells with not much happening to a, an ancestral cell that was already poised to be able to change into different cell types. All animals are just kind of variations on the theme that was created that long time ago. Degnan says coanocytes also seem to be unexpectedly transient. The coanocytes, which are you know, supposed to be the bedrock of all animal origins, even in sponges, exist this, this metastable state. That is, they're not like a core feature of the body plan. They come and go regularly through a suite of transdifferentiation events. They're almost ephemeral, if you like. They don't stay stably in that state, but they kind of quickly de-differentiate into these stem cells, these archaeocytes. To geobiologist David Gold, who was not involved in the study, this result is evidence that we shouldn't be jumping to conclusions. This seems to be probably the strongest bit of evidence I've seen to suggest that 
we shouldn't be looking at coanocyte cells in sea sponges as some sort of proxy for the origin of animals. Bernard Degnan thinks it's possible that coanoflagellates and sponge coanocytes arrived independently at their colored, flagellated architecture. Along the lineage leading to what we would call the last common ancestor to all living animals, where all these innovations occurred. And so what we're basically saying is that somewhere at the base of that lineage was this pluripotent stem cell. And then it had to evolve the capacity to interact with its progeny. Instead of transiting between different cell types, it transited between different cell types and those cell types became stable. And essentially that gave rise to the true multicellularity. Later, as animals got bigger and more complex, their cells had to become more precise, specialized, and fixed in their identities. But they lost a lot of their versatility in the process. In retrospect, this version of multicellularity's origin makes a lot of sense. Some experts say we can think of the single-celled organisms that came before animals as stem cells of sorts. They could go on dividing forever, and they could perform a variety of functions, including reproduction. Other early animals, such as jellyfish, show a lot of that seemingly ancestral plasticity as well. Evolutionary biologist Iñaki Ruiz Trio says scientists have long studied stem cells in relation to development, wound healing, and cancer. People have been working on stem cells for years, and probably nobody imagined that they were also very relevant for an evolutionary transition like this. No, that's also like a curiosity, you know, that it changed from trying to understand stem cells for biomedical research, but then suddenly you realize that they also may be interesting for understanding evolution as well. Not everyone agrees entirely with the Degnan's conclusions, including molecular biologist Pavel Burkhardt. The data may not back up their big claims. If you think about it, or if you dig into some of the things, you could interpret some data completely differently. Differences in gene expression don't necessarily preclude two cell types from sharing ancestry. Paleobiologist Douglas Irwin says such data is just a snapshot taken at a particular point in time. Coanoflagellates and sponge coanocytes have been evolving on their own for the past 700 million years, so it makes sense that they express very different genes. Evolutionary developmental biologist Maya Adamska of the Australian National University did not participate in the Degnan study, but she says comparisons can be tricky. Cell types or cell states can be lost and gained, maybe equally easily. And anytime you compare two organisms that you look at now, you are looking at animals that have a history of loss and gain. And if you just compare two, you risk that you will oversimplify your findings. Adamska says other sponge species don't have archaeocytes at all. Instead, their coanocytes perform those stem cell-like roles. I suspect that if we did a comparison in sponges, we would have found higher similarity to coanoflagellates. Now, would that be more true than what the paper shows? Absolutely not. It would just be different. What I'm saying is that the story is slightly more complex than the conclusion. Adamska thinks that the first animal could very well have been a pancake of stem-like cells that often shifted their identities. 
She also thinks that the gene expression comparison doesn't rule out the evolutionary ties between coanoflagellates and the first multicellular animal cells. Adamska says the two theories about the origins of animal multicellularity aren't mutually exclusive. I think there is place for both coanoflagellate-like features and capsaspora-like features in the last common ancestor we are trying to paint or reveal or imagine. I don't see the contradiction there. Adamska and her colleagues are now working on profiling gene expression in sponges without archaeocytes to test this idea further. Hints of a combined theory are already emerging from Pavel Burkhardt's lab in Norway. In a study published in Frontiers in Cell and Developmental Biology in October, Burkhardt and his colleagues found that the cells in a coanoflagellate colony are not all identical. They differ in their morphology and in the ratio of their organelles. He says these observations suggest that spatial cell differentiation was already happening in the coanoflagellate lineage, and perhaps even earlier. It's a possibility that blends the new ideas with the old. The new idea that the capacity for differentiation is ancient and the transition to animal multicellularity was gradual, and the old idea that this could happen with coanoflagellate-like cells. There's still no definitive answer on what exactly the first animal looked like, but evolutionary developmental biologist Maya Adamska says the picture is getting clearer. Humankind has been addressing that in, you know, philosophical and religious way since the beginning of humankind. But now we are in the first time in a situation like in the past hundred years or especially in the past 10 years that we can also ask where do we come from using molecular biology. And I think that is so cool that we kind of are getting closer of understanding where we come from in the depths of time. That's what makes it exciting. Carlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Jordana Sapelowicz's full article, Scientists Debate the Origin of Cell Types in the First Animals, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Want to learn more about science? Check out the Quanta book, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire, published by the MIT Press. It's available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. <laughs>